welcome to the American Cinema Foundation Movie Podcast. I am your host, Titus, and today I'm joined by Richard Rushfield of The Ankler, my favorite journalist in Hollywood and about Hollywood, and somebody I've been meaning to interview for a while because I am a subscriber, I am a fan, I love the stuff you come up with, both the scoops and the commentary, and I know you've got quite a fan base among newspapers, journals, and journalists, and I'm happy to be counted among them. Thanks for joining me, first of all, Richard, and please tell us about your enterprise. Well, thanks for having me, and you're much too kind. Yeah, I, I write The Ankler, which is a newsletter about the entertainment industry. It comes out once a week, twice a week, sometimes three times a week. It's a paid subscription newsletter. Uh, it's very kind of uh, inside baseball for industry experts and savants. And I started it sort of feeling discontent with the coverage and variety in The Hollywood Reporter and the trades of the industry. I thought there were a lot of stories and perspectives that weren't being told and expressed so the focus of it is looking for what is the side of the story? What is the story that isn't being told? What are people not saying? And hopefully uh, turning over a few rocks along the way. Yep. It seems journalism in Hollywood is primarily a form of success worship and massaging PR. So I guess that's why exactly. so many of us like what you're doing. Right. And I asked you to join the show today to talk about what's happening in Hollywood at the big level of studios and enterprises. America seems to be moving in the direction of what I like to call tech-based neo-feudalism. There can be only (laughs) one Facebook and one Twitter. There can be only one Amazon and one Apple. You can't have competition anymore. Whatever it is that people were once told about capitalism and competition, we seem to be living in the world Peter Thiel describes. Capitalism is about monopoly. And this seems to be hitting Hollywood for the first time in, well, a century. We have conglomeration at the top. There's Netflix and Amazon, the new players. There's Disney, a revivified player that seems to be swallowing up more and more business and now is trying to swallow up a studio whole, which again hasn't happened in a long, long time. And then, of course, there are studios that presumably will be forgotten even in name gradually because they're not very good at digital marketing or getting themselves famous all over again in the new media. So let's start with what Netflix is doing, which is hallucinating. They seem to (laughs) never run out of money. The markets where we bet on the future continuously bet on Netflix. And Netflix doesn't seem to be doing anything that we would recognize as a business model for entertainment. No, it's you put that all very well. I couldn't put it better. The idea of establishing a monopoly is sort of the basis of every area that tech goes into. And, you know, for Hollywood, we've had all sorts of other people come to Hollywood or come to other parts of the world and want to start new production companies or new networks or in other parts of the world, you know, new entertainment systems or industries uh, spring up. But we've never had before a company that's come along well-funded with the goal to drive everyone else out of the business and to become all of entertainment under one roof. And it's the way, if you look at the history of Amazon or Facebook or Google, it is the way that they operate. They have a lot of investors willing to bet on they can essentially establish a monopoly because once they do that on the business side, they'll be able to establish the prices that make sense for them and control the costs and everything else and make everybody work. So if you were someday say that you were the only TV network, you could say, well, from now on, TV writers work for $15 an hour. Or you can say that costs as much as cable ever did. 
that seems to be the goal and to drive everyone else out of the business. And because investors are willing to basically bankroll them to do that, they're doing this this spending spree where they're producing Netflix has made something like 800 different shows now, which is more production than anyone in the history of Hollywood has ever created. And it's having an enormous effect on everyone else. The problem is, uh, how do you become a monopoly of entertainment? You can become maybe a monopoly of delivering diapers to people because if you're willing to keep your costs down. What we expect from getting diapers delivered to our doorstep is pretty simple. We order diapers and we want them to come to our door. You can put some bells in what you can make it a little easier to order. You can do it a little faster. But basically, we want diapers to come here. But in entertainment, what we want is for you to surprise us every day. Very hard to establish a monopoly on that. That is essentially what they're going for. Yeah, Netflix seems to have succeeded primarily because they realize that what people want out of entertainment has nothing to do with a movie theater or even a TV. It's more like binge-watching in your bed if possible. At some level we're looking to get away from the world, not to join the world. We're looking for stuff at our command, interchangeable between any number of screens, and at least we want to be distracted from boredom. Putting real technological power behind this notion that what people will watch on their any mobile device anywhere is what entertainment really means in the 21st century is new and surprisingly successful. Although, of course, it's really hard to gauge what's happening, partly because Netflix doesn't tell anybody what is popular and what is not, what is a dud and what is a hit, and instead seems to have internalized something of the logic of Hollywood over the last generation. Everything is B-movies now, and if you can turn everything into B-movies, then you can make them in industrial quantities with the abandon that you had only in the very early years of the 20th century when Hollywood was making all these studios which made at least a movie a week. But now they're of course all feature length, which is crazier still. But there it is, and now you can find Will Smith in a B-movie on Netflix and pretty soon anybody else. It's not at all clear to me that anybody will say no but a few actors who are not stars. What they are is branded by Marvel. But we'll get to that when we talk to Disney. Yeah. Netflix is facing, however, some competition from Amazon. What can you tell us about how Amazon has got into the business and what their plans are? Well, Amazon has kind of been walking sideways into this business. We talk about all the money Netflix has to burn. Amazon is one of the few companies that has an interest in this field that could say, okay, well, we'll triple that. You're spending uh, $8 billion a year on shows, we'll spend $30 billion. And not really, I mean, Amazon's uh, approaching being a trillion-dollar company, so in the course of that, spending $30 billion a year to establish new business wouldn't be that bad for them. But they've sort of been walking sideways into this, figuring out what they wanted to do. In their early years, they focused really hard on the coolness and the uh, prestige sector, For me, when you look at what people are doing in Hollywood, the most important law always is you look at the people who come to it and why, of all the businesses in the world, why they came to entertainment. There's a lot easier ways to make money. There's a lot more certain fields. But people come to entertainment because they are attracted by the idea of being part of a very glamorous, exciting world that's more interesting than uh, or more compelling than being part of the pharmaceuticals world. If you're a big exec in pharmaceuticals, everybody's not necessarily dying to sit next to you at a dinner party in the way that if you just made this new movie starring, uh, you know, you name your star, they might be. 
So you think about why does Amazon, this giant company, spend these years making these twee prestige shows? The number one thing I think drives most people when they come to Hollywood, whether it's a company or an individual, is the vision of seeing themselves standing at the Academy Awards saying, I'd like to thank my wife. I'd like to thank this creative team I was so lucky to work with and having an auditorium full of adoring stars staring up at them, wanting to be part of their next project. That is what is so much of what drives people. And when they sit down at dinner, being able to say, I made this groundbreaking, exciting new show that's won all these awards and telling their friends that that's what they're doing. That seems very much to have driven Amazon, certainly under its former entertainment head, Roy Price, who just left last year. Now they seem to be realizing that just entertaining this 2% of the audience of cool people and awards voters maybe is not a strategy befitting one of the biggest companies on earth. Jeff Bezos has made a bunch of statements about wanting his Game of Thrones. So that's the thing everybody's looking for. Yeah, you can't take it out of people that they like the glamour, they like the good press in the right places. But I would also guess that Jeff Bezos won't care for this much or long. Not least of all because Hollywood is not smart enough to give him the success he would need to really believe in glamour. They all say they're willing to lose money. They understand this is just chicken feed to them. What's the matter? But one thing billionaires don't like is to lose money. Even if it's just like a little money on the side. They just, on principle, they don't like to be people losing money. And when they come here, they always assume that Talk a big game about, oh, money's no object, we just want to make great things. But in the back of their mind, they assume it's them doing it and they'll be smart, so they'll make a fortune. And when they don't, and when they see these agents and producers walking away with seven-figure checks they've written them and start to feel like you've got a whole town who's just been uh, taking advantage of them the whole time, the trail of billionaires from the beginning of Hollywood who uh, leave with their tail between their legs cursing the, the industry is very long. Yep. The next thing that happens after you start worshipping glamour is that you're played for a sucker. And <laughs> we'll have to see whether the tech industry is better at this. I think of it as mounting a democratic attack on Hollywood. It's not just because you'll get fancy actors in essentially B-Fair on Netflix. It's also the fact that distribution has changed to an extent that you're not in control anymore of what people are watching. It's harder and harder to get attention and to attract people. And the standards of technological power in each screen diminish what any studio can do, not least of all because there's only one studio left that seems to have a plan to capture the American audience, and that, of course, is Disney. Now, Amazon might be able to do something big, one obvious avenue is they've bought the rights to a lot of Tolkien stuff, and yeah. they seem to think that this is going to run for many, many years, and indeed be their Game of Thrones. That shows that they're looking to combine popularity, prestige, lots of money, lots of viewers, and a long-term investment. So maybe that is a big part of a new direction, but it's not obvious to me what they think they're doing or how they're going to work on the entertainment side as opposed to the distribution side. But we do have this other example, Disney, which is also the only studio that's trying to get digital itself to create its own streaming platforms and somehow isolate itself from the threat that new corporations are posing. 
Disney is not just turning into a money machine with its Marvel properties, which are single-handedly the most successful example of movie making I can remember in Hollywood. Kevin Feige has been undefeated since 2008, which is pretty remarkable, and he doesn't show signs of stopping just yet, although of course things must get more difficult with time. On the other hand, of course, there's Disney turning all its old cartoons into live-action movies that walk away with a billion dollars globally each. So there's another moneymaker there. And although it seems to be a studio that thinks about the toys, thinks about the merchandise before everything else, it's also the only studio that seems to be saying Hollywood has a future. Hollywood is the place to be and the way of doing business too. If you understand these new things about branding, about reducing stardom or talent to servicing characters. And of course, they're eating up Hollywood at the same time. So it's in its own way a very interesting phenomenon in Hollywood. Yeah, it's it's very smart what you say about they're the only place that seems to believe in Hollywood. It's like you look at the other studios, they seem so scared and sort of copying the other success, mostly copying Disney's success. And Disney just looks like a studio that just makes big movies. They believe in in the movie-going experience. They make big bets. You know, with Marvel, they certainly haven't played it safe. They're still superhero movies. They're not making a Darren Aronofsky film. But they've mixed up the formula and taken chances with those to the extent that five years ago, if you wanted to dream, they dare to do. And, and by and large, it's successful. It's not, not everything is perfect. They have some stumbles, as everybody does. But you just don't see anyone else swinging for the fences in that way and trying to do great things and trying to build something big, which is what Hollywood should be about. There's plenty to quibble with about the Disney model and, you know, what it doesn't allow and what it doesn't do. But it's certainly impressive. And if anyone is keeping movie going alive as a tradition, it's them right now. Yes, you're right that it takes a lot of money and it takes a lot of risk taking. You have to really invest and they do it on a large scale. There's never just one investment or a couple of them. They come up with 20, apparently. And that would seem to be the scale of thinking and risk-taking that you need to compete in this environment. Because, as you said, why should I go to the movies? What is the movie-going experience such that it will attract people who live with all sorts of other screens 99% of their time? And how are you going to make movies that make enough money to justify themselves in a situation where, as we were saying about Netflix, there's apparently no crazy bet that these guys can make that will not be backed in the markets. So everybody's betting on the future and Disney is intent on being part of that future. Do you think that they're winning something on this front, solidifying their Hollywood holdings with their Fox acquisition plans and moving forward with their streaming platform plans? The advantage, they so when they come into the streaming platform, which is the big growth area for them, this is where, in theory, all the money that's been in cable could move to a few of these streaming companies right now. So all the money that goes Time Warner Cable could go into the pocket of a Netflix or whoever establishes themselves there. So this is where the competition is right now and where, where the future is. And coming into that, if you look at Netflix versus Disney, Disney has this advantage of the number of characters and stories that, I mean, forget about just old movies, but characters that you could still work with in the Disney collection there. It's just staggering. I mean, you walk through Disneyland Park, 
I've got a four-year-old child, and you think of Winnie the Pooh, you think of Mary Poppins, and the Pixar characters, the Toy Story, and the Incredibles. They have the Muppets. Then you get on to all the people from the Marvel Universe. For my four-year-old, I mean, there must have been a hundred different characters and stories that she was familiar with. You know, going into TV, Doc McStuffins and all of these, and there's a deep connection with having that sort of catalog and being able to do something like that, as well as a brand that, with families at least, is unparalleled in the world. It's why Disney is the one company that can just come into this world and demand a seat at the table in the entertainment semifinals, as I say. But the disadvantage for them is, so Netflix has nothing like that. Netflix has no catalog of beloved characters. It doesn't have Snow White. It doesn't have Winnie the Pooh. It doesn't have Luke Skywalker or anything in between. But what it does have is a very uncomplicated mission. They're a streaming app, and they make shows for the streaming app, and everything they do goes to that. With Disney, they have a combination of movies. They have other traditional television networks. They have Disney Junior. They have ABC. You're always afraid, like, okay, the movies will be the big thing, and then they'll do the leftovers and outtakes for the TV, which if you look at what Marvel's TV offerings have been thus far, that's very much what it feels like. I mean, Disney makes lots of billions of dollars from movies. And when you look at the Black Panther and just what that success will drive for years of sequels and toys and costumes and spinoffs and rides and everything else, that's going to be worth tens of billions to them over the years. And that only happened because it was a big cinematic experience. The Black Panther had premiered on Netflix uh, and come out one Friday on Netflix. Would it have had anything one one hundredth of that impact? I doubt it. So that's not something Disney wants to just walk away from. All the same, if their Marvel shows are just the sort of things that they've been doing on, on Netflix, which is a very mixed bag, that's hard to build a whole new system around. So that's the dilemma. You're right, they have massive strengths, but also this variety that makes things very complicated. And of course, one reason to start streaming is to pull Marvel from Netflix. Whatever deal they have on the shows is one thing, but they can pull their entire movie catalog whenever they've got their own streaming platform, and that way hit directly what Netflix has to offer. But Disney's facing most directly the challenge we face now that entertainment is going digital. Gradually our movies, you know, plot disappears from the movies, the stories are mostly symbols, and they're pretty obvious symbols of good and evil, or of motherhood and fatherhood, or any number of things like that that audiences love and try to get something new out of. This is what is going to happen as you go digital. The advantage Disney has, as you pointed out so well, it starts with kids, and it's been going on for generations. Disney is more beloved in America than anybody realizes, even if they are in, say, Disney World at the time. It's strange to see just what a grip it has on a national psyche, and it might just be unrivaled. As America goes digital, all these memories that can turn into all sorts of entertainment are going to be more and more important. And this forces Disney to figure out where do you find the talent that can turn these characters and these symbols into something new and surprising for audiences. They're looking. You were mentioning Black Panther. The writer-director Ryan Coogler started out in small artsy festival movies. Then he did the Creed movie with Michael B. Jordan. And then they both jumped into Disney, Marvel, and made Black Panther, which was amazing. 
a rare success even by Disney standards, it has to be said. That's something that they have going for them, not just on the consumer side that everybody grew up with this stuff, but also on the side of talent. It's easier to get talent interested in these things if they too grew up loving all these stories and one in a million grew up thinking, I could tell this story better and one in a million gets his shot. A lot of what it means to have an identity as a digital American Like, there's classes of Americans who buy Apple, so also there are Marvel Americans and Disney Americans more broadly. Just like you can't take it out of kids that they want to be princesses, so also you can't take it then out of adults that they're looking for some kind of identity that is vaguely understood through the symbols of these characters. And it does seem Disney holds the future of entertainment in its hands if it can manage to turn these characters loose with new technologies and move beyond movies, which is very hard even to imagine, of course, being that they're so profitable. In a sense, it's harder still because of all their physical properties. It's not clear where all the toys feature in the digital future, but presumably there is some way to think that up. One wonders exactly what Disney is going to do with gaming, for example, as they're going digital. That would seem to be another industry waiting for this kind of popularity to generate a massive fan base. Above all, what they have even more than Netflix is loyalty, fan loyalty. That's what it means to get your identity from these things. And all of this is on the plus side. Now, on the minus side, weird things are happening. The weirdest of which recently was the collapse of the solo Star Wars movie. Disney has managed to make a Star Wars movie that might lose money, which was previously unthinkable in America. So that was a real uh, that was a real disappointment, and it's uh, and and you know that that alone um, is not uh, they they can afford to lose money on on on, on a. Uh, on a Disney movie and on a, on a Star Wars movie, and it still uh, still drives some toy sales and and all this. What what it, what it uh, the 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 potential um, warning sign though is if is if it single signals a waning enthusiasm for the for the whole op- operation. Uh, so one one flop one flop won't doesn't. Uh, kill Star Wars if they have two in a row uh, it's a then they have a real a real problem is, is the whole and they have to ask is this whole direction of this uh, multi-billion dollar battleship they created with the revived Star Wars is does it have to be have to be rethought and um, you know there's a lot of people who um, I think on the critic side uh, are not enamored with the direction that that the Star Wars uh, films have gone in this time um it's there there have been um you know there's a the 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 thing that has to worry them is that that's that's so that solo's problems come after the the last uh this the the film previous to, to solo toy sales fell off a lot so is is the is was the the tepid reaction to solo actually a uh a lagging response from a tepid response reaction to uh, whatever that Star Wars movie that came before the, the Phantom Jedi or whatever it was. Uh, that, that, uh, they, yeah, uh, it's they're not going to be memorable at the rate of one a year. That's just how things are now. 
Yeah. So they're going to have to get used to it. And you're right, it's uh, worth noticing how you go from invincible to vulnerable with a snap of the fingers, so to speak. Yeah, and that I mean, and that's a, I mean, Marvel. Marvel has had uh, a, a a run of success like no producer has ever in Hollywood history. Like I, I don't think Demille had uh, had 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 a string. I mean, Demille didn't put out this many this many movies, uh, and uh, to have this many movies do so well for so long is is fantastic. Like. One of these days, they've got to hit a clunker. It's it's just it, just nothing, no nothing, no street class forever. Uh, and then uh, and the you know, and then the, the thought of uh, is does a day come when people get sick of seeing superheroes or something? They've been they've been very smart at uh, keeping it keeping this genre alive and keeping it and taking it in places you never would have thought possible, but. Uh, you know, still superheroes, and is there uh, at, at, at some point? Uh, you know, I'm I'm I, I'm I'm about uh, I, I I'm about ready to to, uh, to to sit out the superhero genre now. Uh, you, you know, good. And at some point, do people just say, "No, we don't want that anymore," and or does something else come come along? Does someone? Does some other studio make a movie about uh, magicians, and that becomes the everybody just wants magician movies all of a sudden? It's, uh, uh. Yeah, you're right. There's an inbuilt vulnerability simply because of the uh, coherence of the business plan and of the stories they offer. While Netflix is bogged down in an idea of offering content, which is essentially meaningless, and they have to worry, what if the markets one day stop believing? So also Disney, which offers very concrete entertainment instead of content, you get princesses, or you get superheroes, or you get Jedis, things like that, that you can put a name and a face and a feel to, and memories, that comes with its own vulnerability. What if fan loyalty doesn't last forever yeah it's uh it, 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 i mean they, they they have to be wondering the good thing for disney is uh uh if this were any other studio their marvel success would be the entire studio right now and they they'd have everything you know so, so sony is kind of banking its entire studio right now on on uh the jumanji franchise plus hoping they can get some spider-man spin-off characters going uh the good thing for for uh disney is they have a bunch of success when you look between animation uh star wars marvel uh and their their and their live action stuff they have they have a bunch of successes going so uh so they they have they have room for 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 uh what players stumble here or there yeah, that's as problems to have. Disney's are the best, just like its success is. I say, I, I say about Disney. Disney has uh, Disney has problems uh, in areas where other studios don't have areas. So, yes, that's a very good phrase, and it shows what Hollywood has turned into. They saw it best and exploited it best as well. And this doesn't show signs of stopping, although now it's it's harder to see what is left on the horizon. Maybe they'll surprise us again. After all, that's why they get paid the big bucks. 
And uh, Richard, maybe we should close with any thoughts on uh, the other studios as they seem to be limping their way towards oblivion. Uh, yeah, it's it's well, you, you've got two, you've got the two studios at the bottom right now that uh, uh, Sony and Paramount, and the the conventional wisdom is that someone has to buy them and combine them to make them bigger. So these two, so we were down to five studios, and in theory, someone would combine them, and, and then we'd be down to four. Uh, uh, despite that being the conventional wisdom, no one has emerged to say that they want to do that, which is the one hitch there. But um, the, the the feeling is you're you're they're so far behind where you have to be to establish yourself in this new streaming world, and to to and to to. That 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 with if you look at where Netflix already is with 50 million U.S. households um, for a Sony or a Paramount to get in, to to get in there, that just feels too too little too late and and one wonders even combined are they are what what is that then? Um, so 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 the future is really uncertain for them. Um, Universal has has uh, sort of a bunch of individuals they, they don't they don't have universes and 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 big fields in the way that uh, in the way that uh, Disney does but they have well, they have a very healthy animation division with the the minions and uh, and, and illumination there um, as well as uh, DreamWorks animation does a lot of TV that supplies half of Netflix's uh, animated library so so you know you if you've got a help it's kind of the key to the future if you if you're going to start a studio today start with animation because uh if if you have that chugging along and 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 doing well that can bankroll a lot of other things but they also have jurassic world they have the fast and the furiouses so they have they have a bunch of kind of series that are successful for them so so they sort of see uh warner brothers was seemed like a basket it was headed towards the bottom rung uh two years ago now it seems a, a bit stabilized it's they're they're trying a new vision for dc um they have they have a bunch of things going on that that we'll see how they do um and uh and the uh you know, we'll see where they, they and they also have, and then now they're part of AT and T. So, uh, combined with HBO, they'll, they're, they'll they'll be looking for some sort of seat at the table. So, um, it's all, but, but nobody, nobody, all of this is all about making big giant films. Nobody, no, nobody, which leaves a lot of the calendar, a lot of the world uncovered still. So. Yeah, you're right. We we've gotten used to seeing fewer and fewer movies every year. All of them have to be bigger and bigger, and they're also getting more and more expensive. And uh, this does leave a lot of other stuff empty. But it seems that the logic of the competition itself blinds executives and studios, and we don't see anybody uh, trying to pick up this sort of stuff. Uh, I would have expected that somebody, something like Netflix would have gone in the business of saying, we do B-movies, we will reinvent the American romantic comedy. It will be yeah, somewhat cheap just... movies, we'll, they'll all be starring Anna Faris and whoever. You know what, Sandra Bullock <laughs> is still a star, 
let's make Sandra Bullock movies, do something like that. Yeah. Like they try to corner the juvenile comedy with Adam Sandler, and that has been a mixed success for them at best, I suppose. But yeah. it wasn't a bad idea. I would have thought that they would invest more in this sort of stuff precisely to get something instead of what they don't have and can't get, which is intellectual property. They could get talent that's still uh, bankable and let it loose, uh, try and deal with all these problems where you need to make money on movies that aren't that expensive. That's not such a bad problem to solve. Yeah, yeah. Instead, it seems like it's only horror that's figuring this out, that you can make a lot of money on a very small budget. It's, uh, yeah, they, 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 uh, no, no, they they have the, well, they have, once you have these giant studios and these giant machines, it's, it's very hard to know how to think small or medium again. And, um, it's, it's, uh, I asked someone who was a producer who's very successful at, uh, at, at producing on, on small budgets. Uh, I said, how come no one's been able to replicate your success? Everybody talks about it. And he says, because he says, because I put as much attention into producing a, a $2 million horror film as they put into making uh, a Star Wars film. And no one, no one else takes these little films ser- that seriously and is willing to do, is, is willing to do that. Uh, and that's, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, so in my mind, it's streaming platforms and digital technology that's going to allow for a combination of talent and uh, distribution that makes it profitable to make movies uh, on on a smaller scale if you can get people who as you said really really care about this stuff because it's not going to be a hit otherwise yeah no i think you're absolutely right and about warners i was shocked to see over the years how it has collapsed in its competition with disney on the superhero genre uh Partly because DC has very popular properties, partly because they started first, and they had amazing successes. When Marvel and Kevin Feige were putting out dud after dud with things like uh, the Hulk, two of those in five years, both flops, uh, instead you had uh, the Batman movies, which made billions and established a whole new way of making movies that... They cornered that. Well, I, I think it's a, a, a sign of uh, the, the, the problem of you can have too much success too early. And to, it, 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 so they, they had that success with the Batman movies and they figured, okay, let's just make movies like this. Like this. Let's just make dark, gloomy, uh, sort of edgy alternative uh, superhero films at a time when Marvel was still kind of finding its feet. It's, it's the, the early Iron Man films were kind of, uh, you know, still, still establishing the tone and, 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 and where this would go. And they were trying different things. And, um, that, that DC had such a big success with those, with those, uh, with, with, with those Batman movies that they just sort of went all in on this one very specific vision um, and and then you had first of all Christopher Nolan not want to keep not want to keep executing that vision, and uh, it handed over to, to lesser, and and it became um, 
you know, not that compelling uh, uh, to see again. Sort of when you've seen once you've seen that sort of dark, uh, gloomy superhero three times, you've got to see you've got to you've got to seen enough. And uh, but now now they're now they're kind of back to the drawing board, and they're 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 really they're looking at the films as uh, kind of where 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 Marvel was. They're sort of looking at the films as individual projects. And uh, and seeing what breaks out now. So, yeah, here I think that uh, they should have stuck with darker stuff because I don't see them competing with Marvel in the sarcastic patter <laughs> category. I don't think they're gonna do visual gags as well as Marvel is doing them, and certainly not this late in the game. And uh, Warner's was also doing something unique in modern Hollywood, precisely because you had uh, Christopher Nolan and his brother Jonathan Nolan, David Goyer, and then Zack Snyder came on board. All these incredibly talented writers and directors working on stuff that delivered billions. Man of Steel itself was a big success, but then the studio somehow screwed them over and they all left. Uh, gradually now even Snyder either was fired or quit or both and they ended up trying to make a half DC half Marvel movie with Justice League that ended up being both incredibly expensive a massive flop and uh, a, a public rout a humiliation in the press and the critics and audiences apparently didn't love it that much either yeah well ne next up is you know they, they've now had a success on a uh, with Wonder Woman uh, on a totally different template, and, and next up is uh, is Aquaman, and uh, I think a lot's riding on on how that goes. Warner also has uh, uh, what 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 could be the runaway hit of the the fall, uh, the stars Bradley Cooper's A Star Is Born, which has been getting uh, some some really powerful buzz, and looks like a looks like the the sort of uh, uh, weepy romance that, uh, that 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 you just don't see Hollywood make anymore, uh, and uh, could 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 be the sort of film that is a commercial smash and goes on to win not win Best Picture or something. You know, yeah, uh, I'm also looking forward to that movie precisely because it tries to put together uh, music movies stars a story that people can break their hearts over and fall in love with and uh, get all the emotions that you don't quite get at the Marvel movies. And it's for adults, but I think young people, the under 25 crowd, is also going to like it. It's one of these rare shows of what would it look like to make a movie for adults that's really, really successful. Yeah. I think that this might be it. You're right. We'll see. You never know until you see it, but it looks promising. Yep, this is a bet I'm glad people made. Well, Richard, we have found a pleasant note to end on. Thanks a lot for joining me. The... Thanks for having me. And let's talk again another time about a much less pleasant subject, but in its own way much more important, what's happening with Me Too in Hollywood. Oh, yes, yes. I'd be happy to talk about that. Thanks for having me. All the best. Bye-bye. Take care.